Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Well, good morning. This morning, just as you make your way back in today, we started a series a couple weeks ago looking at the idea this, of Dear Me, Letters to a Younger Self. The series was really birthed last, um, last winter, uh, close to a year ago. I was doing a funeral for a gentleman, and about a year and a half before he passed away, he started to write these letters to his younger self. And so he wrote these letters to like his 20-year-old self, and he was an elderly man. And just wisdom over the years. And so he, he wrote letters about areas that he would focus on more, you know, letters to my younger self, like stop worrying about some of these things and start dialing into these areas of life. And, and I thought it was so cool. And then at his funeral, they, uh, the family had photocopied all of these letters and they gave them to all the grandkids as like a letter to you and just passing on the wisdom. And I thought, how cool is that? And so it really made me start thinking about some of these things. And then I discovered it's actually a thing that um, it's not just one guy that, that had thought about it, but there's lots of people that do this. Dear me, letters to younger self. And I thought, how could we live our lives if we could glean the wisdom of the years and bring it to today? How would we live our lives differently? And then uh, in light of that, Ephesians talks about not living every day, uh, making the most out of every day. That in this world, uh, it's easy to live, and there's so many people that live as fools, so to speak, but how do we live as wise over our lives? And so in talking with a number of you, I, uh, you know, what's some wisdom, you know, some of you that would give your younger selves? And so we first talked about relationships. Almost everybody, that was the first answer. Invest more in relationships. Nobody gets to the end of the journey and says, oh, I wish I wouldn't have put so much time into relationships. You know, the answer is always, I wish I would have put more time or I'm thankful that I did put so much energy and, and effort into my relationships. Uh, secondly, we looked at being more content. Instead of striving after anything and everything, just to say, okay, I'm going to live with what you've entrusted into my hands, Lord. And then uh, last week we looked at worry less and pray more. And the idea of, you know, I, all those things that were big worries in our lives, I'd probably worry about those less and, and, and focus on today and what the Lord has for me more. And some of you, last week, it's kind of neat, some of the knots that you were working through. We talked about being tied up in knots and letting the Lord untie those and worry less. And so the, this week, I want to look at the idea of stop caring what others think. I used to have this um, uh, sign in my office, and it was on everything. We don't care what everyone else thinks. And, and it wasn't like a cocky or arrogant kind of sign, but sometimes, so many times we can get influenced by what others think that it, it, it dictates how we make decisions. I'm not saying don't use wisdom with like accountability, but I'm saying so many times we get intimidated. In a high school term, we'd use it as like peer pressure. And so many times we think, oh, well, that's, that's for high schooler kind of age people, but, but you know, it, it's for some of these younger guys here, but not for me over my life. 
But how do we live our lives and say, okay, on the journey, on the walk that God has for me, how do I walk with a level of confidence and not conformity over my life? How do I stop caring what others think and instead begin to experience God's will for my life and, and follow after what God cares and what God thinks over my life rather than caring what everyone else thinks over my life? Well, before we get into it this morning, uh, we're going to look into God's word uh, in a moment. But before we do, uh, get you talking and get you connecting a little bit. So here's a little challenge this morning. Try and think of a recent study, um, and it was a psychological journal, and they wrote the 10 areas people feel pressure to conform in in life the most. I'll give you a point for everyone you get. Go ahead, see how many you can get. Work together. Uh, we'll see how you do on our little quiz this morning. Okay, uh, top 10 uh, greatest areas people feel pressure to conform. Uh, number 10 is relationships. Uh, either getting married or staying single. You feel the pressure to be like, oh, uh, you know, I'm a certain age, so I should be single, or I'm a certain age, so I should be married, and that pressure to conform relationship-wise. Number nine, uh, school and academic choices. And so it's like you feel the pressure, okay, I got to go to university because everybody else is, or I, I shouldn't go because nobody else in my family, whatever. School and academic choices. Number eight, uh, children's activities. I thought this one was interesting. So, you know, everybody else's kids are in dance lessons, so my kids should be, or everybody else's kids in hockey, so my kids should be. Uh, number seven, uh, social circles, who you hang out with and who your friends are and, and the pressure to conform there. Number six, capital purchases. So what house I buy or what kind of car I buy. You know, if you live in Oshawa, you're probably going to buy a GM car, you know what I mean? And uh, that kind of idea, pressure to conform that way. Uh, number five, uh, spiritual beliefs. And so uh, you, you get that kind of idea of, you know, you're in a group and Everybody's believing one way. Uh, number four, similarly, and I will be very thankful for the next month when everybody's social feed isn't full of U.S. politics, but political belief. And so pressure to conform, you know, are you, you, know, are you left or are you right when it comes to political stuff? Uh, number three, clothing choices. And so pressure to conform, you know, you got to wear whatever else is wearing. I'm always telling Carla, wear more skinny jeans like me. And... and uh, or something like that. And um, number two, uh, workplace. And so pressures to conform and, and, and follow the job path and career path. And the number one area pressure to conform is substance uh, issues. So drinking, drugs, that kind of thing. Pressure to like, okay, do what everyone else is doing around that. Okay, tally up how you did on our little quiz this morning. How many people got at least three out of those? Four, five, six? Seven, eight. How many did you guys get at the back, Cody? Anyone beat seven? What did you guys get? Nine? Oh, my goodness. Give them a hand this morning, everybody. So for their efforts, they win some fish, and a little Swedish fish. And the idea, going against the grain, going against the flow of what everyone's doing. Tell me about a time, just before we look into God's word this morning, tell me about a time when you felt that you had to stand out in the crowd, when you felt like you had to you know, go against the flow, if you will, and stand out in the crowd and be different. Talk about that at your tables, and then we'll look into God's Word. Go ahead. Conforming and trying to fit in. Uh, my daughter just started high school this year, and my son's in grade seven, so they're kind of in that age where it's like, you know, feeling out, trying to find identity and who they are, and, you know, the pressure to conform is great. And, you know, to be honest with you, though, I think it, it doesn't get easier later on. I think it actually in some ways gets harder in some areas of our lives. 
But as I'm coaching them and talking with them, I'm, I'm saying to them continually, you know, as, as their dad who loves them, you know, you're not made to fit in. Quit trying to fit in. You're actually made to stand out. You're not made to be ordinary. You're made to be extraordinary. And ordinary things rarely fit in. Or extraordinary things rarely fit in. And, and, and you're called to kind of stand out. Uh, ancient kind of proverb says, care about what others think and you'll always be their prisoner. And how many times in life, you know, when we, when we care what everyone else thinks so much, it, it holds us back from really the God-given gifts and the God-given purposes over our lives. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 5, and we read this story about how Jesus never cared to fit in. He never cared to do what everyone else was doing. He never cared to kind of roll with what everyone else had going on in their lives and, and live that out. In John, chapter 5, we read this story. And it gives you a little clue as to kind of the setting. And so it said that it's one of the feasts. And so there was a number of uh, Jewish feasts that take place. And this is probably just because of the fact that the pool's available and, and there's people sitting around the pool. It's probably uh, the Feast of Pentecost. And we read this, this about this feast. Now what would take place is all the dignitaries, all, all the, the Jews that were like, high in standing would come back into Jerusalem at this time and they would all uh, be required to put on, you know, the extra fancy robes kind of during this time. They would all kind of look the deal. It was kind of a, a time when everyone was very distinguished. Put it in context today. It's like Easter Sunday when everyone wears like their best and looks the best. You know, it's the big deal. And so here we have this special time out of the calendar year and everyone's kind of concerned. And, and you know what it's like when people like, you know, you have a bunch of people all trying to look good together at the same time and, and, and try and look like the deal. This week we had our pastor's conference and it's amazing how many, you know, even as grown adults, how many people you can still see like trying to like look really important and try and like fit in and wear the right things and oh, oh it's like I got to dress hipster and have a man bag and you know have a little <laughs> fancy beard and wear the skinny jeans or else I'm not going to be cool enough you know and uh, and so oh wait <laughs> I didn't throw Carlo under the bus there he led the way in that but in those in those times you know when when it's like you know, everyone's trying to be the deal. Here's Jesus, and it's the Sabbath day. Now, understand on the Sabbath day, they had all these rules. In fact, they had 39 rules and regulations as to what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath day. There was a whole, whole series of things that it was like, okay, they were trying to protect it to keep the Sabbath, but in so doing, they'd actually put all these, these boundaries that it made it hard for people to experience the God. So here's Jesus, and he's ministering, and he takes the people to a spot where no one would go on one of these feasts. He comes to the pool of Bethsaida. Now, the pool of Bethsaida is by the sheep gate. And so, in other words, that's where all the livestock exchange happened and where all the livestock went in and out of. And so, a pool by uh, the livestock place is like, mm, and, and this is where we find out. And there was something that went on with this where, where people would go and all the affirmed would be dropped off. And they felt like every once in a while, as the waters were stirred, some kind of, you know, they thought it was some, John doesn't affirm that it's some kind of angelic thing, but he just, that's what they would feel, that when the waters were stirred, there'd be healing take place. And so all the affirmed were there. Now to go to where the infirmed are on one of these feasts, like you could become ceremonially unclean in a, in a heartbeat. And so it was just not where you went. 
And Jesus takes, and all the people are like sticking up their nose at him, like, what are you doing? Like, come on. And out of this group of infirmed and, and people who are sick, he goes to the guy who'd probably been there the longest, 38 years. He'd been laying there, and he was paralytic kind of man and couldn't get up. And, and, and Jesus comes there 38 years. And he said, I haven't been able to get to the pool, you know, where my hope of healing is found. And Jesus said, do you want to be well? And his response back was that he couldn't even imagine how he could get well other than the system which he knew. He said, I can't, nobody, nobody will pick me up and take me to the pool. So it tells you, 38 years this guy hasn't been in the water. <laughs> Woo. Talk about someone smelling a little rack. 38 years. 38 years. And there you can imagine the hopelessness. There you can imagine, you know, there's probably not a lot of people that want to sit by his mat because 38 years. And he speaks of hopelessness to Jesus. And on this one of the most sacred of, of moments when they, when they co commemorate the time when, when God did this incredible miracle and freed those who were enslaved, and yet here Jesus comes to this guy who's been enslaved for 38 years, and, and Jesus comes and he picks this guy and he speaks to him, he says, get up, roll up your mat, and walk. And the Pharisees in their flowing robes, the onlookers are looking, and they said, can you believe what he just said? Can you believe? See, out of those 39 things that are the rules of the Sabbath, that happens to be number 39 was you can't roll up a mat. Go figure. And so... He, Jesus picks thir number 39 on their list, the, the final one, kind of as a speaking of a crescendo over this. And he says, number 39, I just broke up. Woo, pick up your mat, and I want you to walk. And, and he picks up the mat, and he's just like pumped, and he's so excited, and the Pharisees come, what, what's going on? And they can't celebrate the fact that the prisoner has been set free on, you know, Pentecost Sunday. And there he is, so excited. There he is, so pumped. And they say, who, who, who? And there's Jesus, who's not conforming. And they put the pressure on him, and then they start to put the screws to Jesus a little further. Who do you think you are? What do you think's going on with this? And Jesus affirms once again his call, and he speaks to them, and he says, don't sin. It's walking what, I, what God has for you. And it said that the hatred of them and the Pharisees towards Jesus was so thick that they wanted to actually kill him. And I think over our lives, and I think over what goes on in our world, and you think Jesus stands there, and he's so excited in the midst of everybody else hating on him because he cared more about one guy who was infirmed. And I think to our lives, so many times we care so, many, so much more about what everybody else thinks or, or what, the, what the system is today and what the religi religious, I quote, quote unquote, the people who are in power today, in other words, the people who set culture today. We think more about them than we care about what God thinks over our lives. Romans 12, 2, I like this. It says, don't let the world, uh, one translation would put, don't let the world, don't be transformed 
Another translation would put it this, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And I think at every instance, the world is trying to squeeze you into its mold. Think a certain way, do a certain thing. You know, it's amazing, like, you know, it's trying to squeeze you in. Talk about the political things. You know, if you, if you watch CNN or if you watch Fox, they'll give you a very different view of how they're trying to squeeze you into its mold. One would be like, okay, go Trump. And the other would be like, go Hillary. And, and they're trying to squeeze you into a, a thinking and into a being, uh, uh, an idea idea around life. The world, Lord comes and says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Go against the flow. Don't go with everybody else and what everybody else is doing. Proverbs 28.1 says this, the wicked run away when no one's chasing them, but the righteous, the godly, the people who love God are as bold as a lion. In other words, when God is with you, you don't need to care about what anyone else thinks. You don't need to be running from, from society and what's going on. You need to be bold in what God has for you and his purposes over your life. Proverbs 29, 25 says, fear of man. When you start fearing what other people think of you, it will be a snare. It will be a trap over your life. It will lead you and take you in different directions. I've said this before, but, but actually in the Hebrew, if it's that idea of snare is translated like a ring under a bull's nose. I don't know how many of you have, uh, have a farming background. My grandpa had bulls, like big bulls. And you take the mightiest and craziest and wildest of bulls, and with that little ring in its nose, it's so sensitive around its nose, and you put pliers on that big, mighty bull, and you could lead that bull anywhere you wanted it to go with that ring in its nose. In this scripture here, it says the fear of others. In other words, it'll allow people to lead you around. It'll harness your strength. It'll harness your power, and, and it'll just take you in all different directions. The fear of the Lord, fear of man is a snare, but those who trust in the Lord, what? says they're kept safe. Exodus 23.2 says, you must not just do wrong just because everybody else is doing it. Just because everybody else in society is going one way. Don't go with it. Go against the flow. Do it differently than everyone else is doing it. Well, how do we do that today? I would say letters to a younger self would say this. Stop caring what everyone else thinks. Stop going by, stop living your life by what society says you should, but instead follow after what God has. Stop caring what they think over your life. And how do we do that? Well, a couple ways. Uh, number one is if we're gonna stop caring what they think, I think we have to get creative. I love how Jesus comes here. And for 38 years, nobody had had a solution for this guy. For 38 years, they were content to just go through the motions. They were content to do their thing. They were content to do whatever. But I believe this. If you're going to stop caring what else everyone else thinks, it requires not just saying and accepting the things that go on, but saying, God, give me a creativity. The guy himself, the Lord said to him, hey, do you want to be well? And all he could think of was, well, here's the system. I got no one to get me into the pool. Here's the system for getting well. And and I can't see any way around the system. I can't see any way around the structure and the organization of, of how things work. And, and Jesus comes with a whole new kind of creativity over things. I believe we're called to be the most creative people on the planet in order to impact the most lives around the world. Steve Jobs, you know probably who he is, the Apple guy, and he... He said this, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. 
be creative. And I wonder over our lives what it would look like with a godly creativity. Why, why do we need to stand out? Well, first of all, I think we need to understand that God has a unique and a different calling over our lives. That when everyone else is going one way and everyone else was, had their robes on and trying to look important and trying to fit into the system and Jesus goes the opposite direction, understand the unique calling over your life. That he says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has great things in store for you. Understand that, that need fuels the greatest creativity. When, when, there's, when there's true need, that's when people become the most creative. Look during war times or look during times of challenge and people become incredibly inventive. And I believe when we see needs around us, it should fuel us to say, oh, well, we don't have a way to fix that. Instead, it should fuel us to say, okay, Lord, give me a creativity over my life that I do things different and that I would come up with and I don't care what anyone else is gonna think. Get creative, do something no one else is doing. Here's the church and they're going about their business and they're having their festivals and Jesus comes and says, okay, I'm gonna do something different. You know, it's one of the sad points is so many times this creeps into the church that, you know, we see the church that's doing great things, and so then everyone copies that. Oh, look, they have skid backgrounds. We need to do that, and pallet backgrounds, and oh, we need to, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm not downing all the things, but all of a sudden, all the churches look the same as everybody else. And then we're not reaching different people that nobody else would reach. See, the call over your life is to be different. The call over your life is to stand and who God's called you to be and, and, and to fuel a creativity, to live dependent on God's spirit to say, okay, let me go forward. Be careful in life when your ministry, when your business, when your schooling is growing, but your heart is shrinking. Be careful when creativity is used to get you further ahead and to make you look better than rather to build up or meet need for those around you. The greatest creativity over your life needs to be how you could bless or how you can impact or how you could do something to care for others. I remember when um, I was working in a church in downtown Toronto and we went by all the time these, the Red Pass Sugar Building, I don't know if you remember those big silos, they're right down on the waterfront just up from Queen's Key. And we would go by all the time and say, oh, it's a pity someone doesn't do something about, you know, there was all these homeless people living in there. And I remember going to a couple churches. I actually went and said, hey, you're really close. Could, could we utilize your church to do something? And, oh, we don't. Do you realize that those people, a lot of them are on drugs? Do you realize that a lot of, there's a lot of violence? Do you realize, like, what goes on there? We don't want to do anything. We can't do anything. It's just... It's too far beyond us. And I went to church after church after church after church to try and figure something out. There's some 800 homeless people uh, living within those. Uh, There's these abandoned trailers there by the Red Pasture. It was called the Rooster Squat. So week after week went by the rooster squat and finally we said, okay, we just grabbed a few people and, and we decided to go into the rooster squat and try and do church in there. And I remember opening these, they're like literally like just tractor trailer trailers and we, we went in and it was like, oh, the stench was incredible and it was like not, not a friendly environment and there was a lot of bad stuff going on. 
I remember we started trying to do ministry, and everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's dangerous. You know, it doesn't, there's not, you know, it's, it's not the right way to do things. It's not how you're supposed to plan to protect. Doesn't, and we're like, okay. And we start trying to go forward anyways. And I remember we started doing this Bible study. And eventually, you know, we do it on Sunday afternoons. And they said, oh, can we come to a church place with you guys? And so we organized these vans and found a church that would, that would, uh, that would help us called Cornerstone. And so we, we started bringing them on Sunday nights. And it was, they were, it was different, let me tell you. And we had to go Sunday nights because they, they weren't awake on Sunday morning. So you come mid-afternoon and wake everybody up. And, and we'd bring them down there. And I remember I was teaching kids' church one night. And there was a whole bunch of these ones. And there's this girl in this, like, beautiful red dress. And she was so prim and proper. And she, you know, she was, you could see her parents, like, she was from a high-end kind of home. And, and she's sitting there, like you know, this, and then I've got all these street kids there, you know what I mean, and, and, and she was like, what is going on, and I talked to her parents after, because I thought, how is this rolling, and her parents said to me, oh, I, I want our daughter, actually, to see kind of a different side, I don't want her to be like every other kid on her block that lives the same kind of life all the time, I thought, oh, I mean, what are you doing to get creative? Like, what are you doing in the Holy Spirit inspiring? Because he says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're unique and you have a unique set of gifting over your life that nobody else can reach people that you could reach. And so the question is, how are you doing that? Jesus comes to a guy, 38 years had been there. Get creative. Number two is love people more than image. All of the people there were so consumed with their image and they were so consumed with what everybody else thought about them that they failed to care about loving this guy. Nobody wanted to look like a fool to love on this person. And I asked the question over your life, and it's easy to have that happen. It's easy to say, oh, I concern myself more with what others think than actually caring about somebody that has a need. 38 years, 38 times that some of these guys have been going to this festival and walking past the pool of Bethsaida and all the infirmed and, oh, we got to deal with more important people right now. I don't, what would people think if I, what would people think if I hung out with them? What would people think if I spent time with them? What would people think? Virginia Woolf says, the eyes of others are our prisons. Their thoughts are our cages. When we care about our image, when we care about what others think of us, it imprisons us, it cages us. But when we're free to just love on people and care more about people than what people care or think about us, oh, it'll always be a good result. See, the result of loving on people more than your image, you're going to have true friends. My son, who I constantly am in this conversation, he's grade seven. That's like a weird time of life, right? And I say, stop caring what others think of you. He said, well, dad, you know, like, what if I do things and then people think I'm weird? I said, then they're not your true friends anyways. And they're not really the ones that you want to have invest into your life anyway. So many times we so care about what other people think and they're not even our true friends. But I want to tell you, when Jesus met with this guy, I bet you it was a true friend forever, you know? You get truer friends, also you get more unique friends. 
See, when, you, when you're worried about your image more than loving on people, then you'll never get people that are super different than you. What I love about the church is we come together and there's, there's young and there's, well, I won't point at the old side, but uh, there's young and there's older and there's, there, there's, there's uh, wealthy and poor people. There's everybody comes together. And it's so cool that you get richer and deeper friends than you'd ever get uh, anywhere else. That when you begin to love on people, oh, I want to tell you, you have, you have these neat experiences. I love some of the people that are around our table and that my kids have dinner with that are just totally weird sometimes. And then I'm like, care more about these people than care about what other people think about you. When you begin to invest and when you begin to care, it changes everything. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks at outward appearances, but instead the Lord, he looks at the heart. A couple weeks ago, I was at this fancy dinner, and I was telling some of you about it, and with, there was like leaders of our, of, our, of our province there, and it was like fancy, fancy people. And, and just by kind of this weird moment, I was at this head table. And I was there as a token pastor just to pray with people. And, and so, but because I was at this head table, everyone thought I must have been important. And so it was amazing as people came by and, and people come by and they were like snapping pictures and there's media there and they're like, oh, can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, sure. And, and so I'm getting pictures and then they'd be like, oh, and who are you? And, and I'm like, well, I'm a pastor at Community Church. And they're like, oh delete and then move on you know what I mean and 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 it was like going through and you can just see you know like the people are so image conscious to try and get with people who will boost their social standings I want to tell you if you're trying to pick friends based on who will elevate your standing you're missing it you're missing out on the richness of relationship that when you begin to care about people more than you care about your image, you're set on a path of freedom in your life. Love people more than your image. Get creative. And then finally this morning, stand when it's tough. Jesus comes to a point when it said that they wanted to kill him because he exposed their motives because he stood when, for what was right when everyone else had been, been bowing a knee to image. And I want to tell you, standing's not always easy. My mom used to always tell me, Jason, stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You know, I can remember her saying that like a million times. Or like the Rick Warren quote, you know, those who follow the crowd usually get lost in it. The question is, what are you standing for? When was the last time you had to make a stand actually for something that you believed in and for something that was your heart where it wasn't the popular choice, where it wasn't the popular thing to do, where it was difficult, where you had some skin in the game and it, and it cost you something? I want to tell you, how do you stand in the crowd? Set boundaries. Live with mission. Jesus was all about mission. He didn't really care about what everyone else thought. He was about going and being about his father's business. Work through your fears. What are some of the fears? And just be honest with yourself and say, oh, you know, I really fear this. And begin to just give it before the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I struggle with this. I struggle with what these people think. Become a leader. 
and say, you know what, I'm going to choose to live my life as a leader, not a follower of everybody else that's going on. I'm going to choose to show character rather than uh, take the easy road. I want to tell you the right decision usually is the harder decision. And when you begin to say, okay, I'm going to live my life with character no matter what it costs me, I'm going to take the high road when everyone else takes the low. Define your own success. These people thought their success was, well, if I have position and, and I have people look up to me, if I have the right robes and, and, and I'm the deal, then I've, I've achieved success. And Jesus' metric of success was, who could I elevate? Who could I lift up? Define success over your life. And then it'll help you stand when it's tough. Jesus was accused, Luke 15, 1 and 2 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them? It's easy sometimes. Some of you remember a few years ago when we had the food bank. We were doing these little extreme home makeovers, and... and um, they called us to help out a family who was in need. And, and so it just so happened that it was at a nudist resort. And they said, you probably won't want to go because you're the church. And, but they really have, like, legit needs. Jeff, you were there. And we were, no, 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 wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, not like that. So... <laughs> So we decided that we would go and help, even though it was a weird, awkward place for the church to go, but I remember we were praying for a really cold weekend. <laughs> and as we showed up, and their words to us were, I can't believe nobody of faith has ever, ever come by here. I think to this guy, 38 years, he probably hadn't one of those Pharisees ever showed up where he was. No one's come here to help me yet. No one's come here. And I remember when we went there as a church, we got some abuse from some others. We had some people like, what are you guys doing? And they asked us to do this Bible study for them, and I was like, oh my goodness, that's weird, but okay, Lord. And we begin to serve, and we begin to bless people that are completely different than ourselves, and where others were calling it, and I actually had a pastor say, you know, say, oh, is this the right thing for your church to do? Are you guys, are you guys missing Jesus' call? You know, and then, uh, and I think to myself, wow, when you stop caring what others think, it frees you up to minister to people that nobody else would ever touch, that nobody else would ever go to. What areas of your life are you consumed with what others think? What areas of your life have you let others uh, dictate and it's become a prison for you? Their thoughts and their, their, their eyes have become like cages for you and you just need to be free to go and serve and bless whoever God's calling you to. I want to tell you your older self would tell your younger self, self, stop caring what others think. Utilize the God gift and gifts over your life and, and the skill set over your life to serve and bless wherever I lead you. You'll live a freer life. Jesus, even though he stood when it was hard, I want to tell you, I bet you he slept better than any of the rest of them. 
Get creative this week. Who's God calling you to reach? Care about people more than you care about your image. And see where God will lead you. Can we pray? Mighty God, this morning we come and we ask that you would lead us uh, by your spirit. We ask, God, this morning that you would guide and direct us as a people, Lord, so that we would, Lord, help us to be a people that stand. Lord, over our students, it's a hard spot where they are. Help them to stand strong in who you've called them to be. Help them to walk in the gifting and the calling over their lives. Lord, for each one here, God, <laughs> excuse me, that's maybe struggling to, to be bold in their faith, to be bold in what you've called them to. Lord, help them to go against the flow and walk in your best. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in the house this morning, you say, Jay, I'm struggling. I, I kind of cower under pressure of others, but I just, I need a strength to, to, to stand in what Christ has called over my life. If that's you in the house, just with heads bowed and eyes closed, and you say, Jay, would you just be praying for me this week? Just kind of look up at me and say, yeah. Yeah, you can put your head right back down. Yeah, Lord, you see these ones. God, I pray this week we would walk in a strength from you and a boldness, Lord, like a lion over our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Just as you go this morning, and we just wanna give opportunity, if any of you'd like prayer this morning, but uh, Pastor Carlos coming around with a little homework assignment for you. And so it's some little goldfish crackers. And so here's what I want you to do this week. When you think about going against the flow, I want you to take these tonight somewhere, throw them in your uh, pocket or purse, and then sometime tonight, as you eat these pre-brushing your teeth, um, if you could just take them and as you eat them, pray. Say, Lord... Is there some areas over my life that I've let the worry about what others think influence me so that I've just been going with the flow rather than pursuing your path over my life? Just uh, as you pray and eat those, would you just say, Lord, okay, I'm gonna help me to be bold as a lion. Lord, help me to go wherever you're calling me to go, even if it's to the ones that nobody else wants to go to. Thanks for being with us uh, tonight or today, go in the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go in his plan for your life. Some of our prayer leaders will be across the front if you'd like prayer this morning. Everyone else, have a blessed day. Breakfast is served upstairs, through the side door and upstairs if you'd like some pancakes this morning. Be blessed as you go. Prayer is open at the front. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.